Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. Hi, Nikki. How uh, are you? Well, I'm I'm good. I'm actually relieved. We were talking before the show that Game of Thrones is over as we record this. It just ended last night, and I am relieved, not in any way related to the show itself, but just the fact that it's over and we can <laughs> move on to some new hysteria. That's what I'm excited about. Uh, it, it's it's over. It's done. It's over. Our it's collective done. consciousness can move on. Yes. Uh, and I'm very excited about that because maybe our collective con- con- consciousness will move from Game of Thrones to the new book that is written by our guest today. What do you think the odds are of that? Are there dragons in the new book? That's the real question that we have. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no dragons. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I can compete with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll do our best. Uh, before we, we actually start in that conversation, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and uh, we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And uh, if this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, we sure would appreciate it if you would consider supporting us with your hard-earned dollars over at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. That supports the costs of production of the show. It supports our costs in investing in travel and new equipment. Uh, and, you know, one little nugget of things that it supports is transcripts of the show. We start, we're, we're able to start doing transcripts, full transcripts uh, of every episode beginning a couple of months ago. So now if you go to TakeControlADHD.com and look at one of the recent episodes of the podcast, you will be able to scroll down and just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling because it's long these posts are long, but they're right there on the website, TakeControlADHD.com. Uh, you can find a podcast and the transcript on this in the same place. Just click on podcasts, you'll find it. Uh, and, and so that comes thanks to the support of our generous, generous members at Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Get access to the Discord chat server, which is uh, where people are chatting right now, an incredible community of, of folks living with ADHD and supporting one another as well. You also get access to the live stream of this very podcast recording. You can see it as it happens and all the Game of Thrones talk that happens before the show. How could you how would you want to miss that? It's hot stuff. Uh, and uh, that happens uh, thanks to your support as well. So thank you, everybody, uh, for supporting us. And we hope you'll consider doing that in the future if you haven't yet. Okay, on to the main business. Caroline McGuire is back. She's a coach, author, teacher, and speaker with a special focus in social skills, supporting kids and parents of kids with ADHD. The last time she was here, we talked all about social skills, and she's back today to talk about her upcoming book, Why Will No One Play With Me? The Play Better Plan to Help Children of All Ages Make Friends and Thrive. Caroline McGuire, welcome back to the ADHD podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to uh, talk to your audience and sort of get ahead of the madness this fall when the book comes out um, and just uh, also give people a little bit of uh, a preview and let them know that what's coming and a little bit of hope too. If they're having a hard time this month, a lot of teacher calls coming home don't always make for a great May. Yes. <laughs> I, any, any month. I, I, I had a 
a period in my life where anytime the phone rang and it was the school and it said the public schools, I was just like, oh, <laughs> what am I getting into? Do I want to answer this call? No. I don't know. Do, you, do yeah. you put it in your phone? Do you put it in your address book just so you know when not to answer the call? Yeah. I do that. I, it's well, I, it just comes up on caller ID so I can see that it says the public school district yeah. and, and Yeah, rarely is it really a good thing. (laughs) Right. You may need to strategize. Listen to the voicemail. Give yourself some time to breathe. Like you can't just pick up that call. That that's just that doesn't make for a good experience. Well, welcome, Caroline. It's so good to have you back. Uh, And I definitely want us to dig in and talk a little bit about the well, a lot about the book. Actually, I definitely want us to give you or have you give our audience a preview. But I am curious um, before we dig into that, where did how did you come up with the title of the book? So the title is actually interesting. So 15 years ago, when I had this idea, uh, I was working with a little boy and I asked him some kind of coaching question. We were working on reading logs. Will any of you who ever had an ADHD child know that they don't fill out the reading log? They might actually read the book, but they don't want to fill out the log. And we were having some discussion. He was a little, little boy, like seven, about, you know, why we need to do the reading log. Why did he, what's hard about it kind of thing. I, I asked him some question, like, you know, if you could change anything, what would you change? And I'm thinking we're talking about reading logs. And he just looked at me and he said, I would like to know why no one plays with me. And I had already sort of been really struck by how much social skills was affecting my clients and the parents and nobody had playdates and people aren't asked back and the parents have no social life then because nobody's playing with their kid. Um, and it just like rang in my head. And so when I was doing my master's thesis, I told the professors the story and we were looking at titles. And one of my professors, who's a really amazing woman from Leslie said, this is the one you should pick. This is the, t- this is says it all. And so I have been referring to this whole thing that way ever since. And, um, and really always thinking of, um, the kids I work with who often really want to know why no one plays with them. Why don't they have friends? Why don't people approach them? What's the age group then that we're looking at that you're targeting for this this book? Is it younger kids or does it matter? Every kid. So one thing that they changed because um, we I've used these methods with everyone from 5 to 25. And there's such tremendous demand for this that um, the methods can be aged up and aged down. And so it's really, you know, as you know, it's the ability to have a dialogue and use questions. So anybody from 5 to 25, I would say, um, probably next book will be more focused on teenagers and young adults. But for now, I know that parents are desperate for a resource. And um, the other thing I should know um, is it is not just for ADHD kids or kids on the spectrum. This can be used with any kids, shy kids, introverts, kids who've moved too often and therefore don't have any friends. That's good to know because, you know, now that I'm looking at the title, it actually doesn't specifically say ADHD. No, it's really not an ADHD book only. It's really that mm-hmm. I've tested these methods with our people, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it applies and I've been using it. And I now have clients who are neurotypical. They're just shy. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. introverted. Um, they can focus. It's like really amazing. Um, <laughs> it's a really <laughs> different experience. Um, I ask them to do stuff and they do it. It's, it's strange. But, um, <laughs> but the ADHD kids are obviously my, my 
my people. I love them. Right. Um, but there's just tremendous need. And also we have to remember that because of stigma, a lot of people don't get a diagnosis. So whether we agree or disagree with that, that's a fact. So we have a huge population of people who are sort of going toward our ADHD materials, but they are not seeking a formal diagnosis. Very true. I see that actually a lot more recently when I will talk to people, uh, clients or people who are interested in my groups, and they'll say that they've never actually been formally diagnosed, but they they feel like that's that's their tribe, that they get it. Yeah. So it is an interesting trend for sure. So is the book then for parents to read? Is it for parents to read with their children? Like, how, how do you want this read to people? So this book is for parents. The book is to teach parents how to coach their kid. It's all the stuff we as professionals know that, you know, if you look at social skills curriculums, if you look at most books about this stuff, they're like unintelligible. They're really, you need a master's, you need a PhD. Um, They're jargon. My famous story is that my husband once came to my office and I said, you know, if I died and our kids needed this, wouldn't you take one of these and try to figure it out? And he opens the book and he's like, this is unintelligible. No, (laughs) I I I would never figure this out. And so the whole thing that's taken me 15 years, why it's taken so long is that I've taken all of this material and I've translated it into very user-friendly material so that any parent with any level of education can open this book and say, okay, what do I do? And it has a lot of prescriptive elements. So it's, it's like, you know, whole 30, there's going to be like, but what happens if kind of sidebars so that if you're working through this and you're like, my kid won't even have talk with me. There's a little sidebar when your kid has disappearing acts and will not even speak with you. How do you get into this? Okay. So what are, what are we going to learn? If your child comes up and says, why will no one play with me? What would you how would you approach that? What are we going to learn from this book? So I think one of the biggest things is that um, we have to kind of one of the the front half of the book is all about executive function, social skills, and why not to wait? A lot of parents wait and see. Um, but you know, if a kid could do well, they would do well. So um, a big piece of the front half of the book is really talking about that element of you know, why aren't they picking this up kind of intuitively? And then how do you move forward from there? Um, Because I think parent, it's a very touchy issue. It's a very hard issue. A ton of grandparents actually come up to me and attend my talks because they had that kid who never got help. And now they're seeing it repeated with grandchildren and they don't want this for their kids and for their grandkids. So I think the first thing you're going to learn is like, why? Why does all this go on? And then the next thing is that, and you guys probably hear this in the work you do, everybody has a story they kind of tell themselves. And a lot of these kids have a story, whether it's when I'm hungry and tired, it's okay for me to be rude. Um, if I don't like somebody, I have to tell them, otherwise I'm inauthentic. You know, all those ADD stories, um, I'm finding they're really true for all kids who have social struggles, like a lot of the things we talk about and we hear from our clients, I hear from people, even if they're, even if they're not ADHD. And that's another big piece. Cause if you don't have the right mindset, 
then you're not going to try to get better because you're like, hey, people should come to me. I'm not going to go to people. Well, no, that's not how it works. So that's a huge piece that parents are going to get. Um, and that goes along with why do kids resist help? Why do teens? Why do, why do adults, right? Is a lot of that story piece where we say, oh, you know, I'm good the way I am. And we have sort of those deflector shields up um, and don't, don't even try. And, and that's rare. That's not something that um, happens with everything in life. It's really very germane to like these, these social and tough issues. I, I can't listen to you talk about this and not like supplant all of these things or just remove all of the age specificity to it. Everything you are saying is something I can hear in an adult ADHD brain, an adult ADHD mouth, a parent of an a, an ADHD parent with an ADHD yeah. kid. I, I that is that's like you know welcome to Tuesday and trying to still figure out social skills as a 40 something, you know? Well, and I give talks at ADA and other groups for adults and I attend adult social skills groups and they're using my material at mass general. So it's, you know, it's like, I'm going to just take this and I do work with many young adults. I have so many millennials right now. I, it's like crazy. And they're, they're all saying these stories they're they're clearer about their story than a five year old, but they're you know. I <laughs> but then maybe sometimes they're not. <laughs> I swear, I had a five year old one day at like three o'clock say to me, "Look, I just want things the way that I want them." And yeah. At like seven at night, a young adult said to me, "Look, I like things the way I like it, and that's just it, Caroline." And I was like, "You're yeah. the same." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so it. I just want to be clear. So in the book, then you're, you, the first part is is talking about the executive functions and giving parents and uh, whoever's reading the book an explanation of what's going on. This is this is why this is happening. Uh, almost normalizing it, I would assume, right? That yeah. you know you're not strange. This, there's a reason for all of this. Right. Now the second piece you were talking about was the the stories that we tell. So in the book, are you then giving tools like coaching questions then for a parent to approach their child so that they begin to understand the stories like i can see as an adult i i i get what you're saying but do the young kids or even like we're saying the 25 year olds i mean do they really understand what these stories are and how it affects them yeah i have many exercises in that chapter about how to ask about a story how to detect a story how to even just hear the things that your young person or kid is saying and understand that that's a story right so giving people right. you know um just that context of you know when someone says this someone says i like it the way i like it that's a story um, and then one of the chapters that's really bridging between sort of the what's what ha what happens for people and the how do you fix this is a chapter called Eight Habits of Highly Effective Social Skills Coaches. And the idea is that we teach people how to ask the open questions of coaching so that instead of saying, you always talk about this story, you never are open to anything, we're teaching parents to ask questions. And I've been doing this for years. So I know that parents can learn um, even to ask simple questions like how come so that kids will tell them. And you know, what's amazing is because our population is so smart, 
we are like, I have kids who are fully willing to explain to me why they think they're right, why this story is okay. You know, like they're willing to tell me it, all of it if you just ask a question. So that's the, that's the real bridge is that then their parents are going to start to learn how to have that co- coaching conversation, which can also, I should mention Nikki and, and Pete, I think you'll jump right on this, can be used to have conversations, you know, maybe your kid is so resistant or your young adult, they're not going to sit down and do the next part, which is actually teaching the skills. Okay, but you still have a problem. So the, the big piece of this book that people can just use is how do you have those conversations and kind of like open things up and get the kid to not disappear to the basement every day? You know, because that's a huge piece. That's worth the price of admission. I'm a mother, so I know, you know. It is so true. And it's so interesting because I think, you know, we have a benefit because we're coaches. And so we were trained to communicate this way. And so anytime that we've had issues with our children, I tend to step in because I am able to to ask the coaching kind of questions where my husband's not necessarily trained to do that. So he may immediately like, go a different route that's going to then put the defenses up, right? And uh, so I love the fact that you're giving this education and these tools to parents to, to, to learn because it's not hard. You just have to kind of remember to do it in the moment, I think is probably the, the hardest part is getting your own emotions um, controlled, you know, and, and being able to do that. Well, and I've been doing this for so long that I knew parents can learn. You know, I have yeah. parent sessions. I have parents in the session. But I, it was interesting when we went to sell the book in 2017, I brought it. I, I was very lucky. I had like 13 meetings, which is amazing. And all these publishing people started using this technique with their own kids. And my agent got phone calls. Oh my God, it really works. Like I just had a conversation. And my joke is it works with mother-in-laws. If you're having one of these conflicts over Easter or Thanksgiving, ask them, you know, why is this turkey? What's going on with this turkey? You know, heard about the turkey. You know, and I and so what's been interesting is that like the whole publishing house is like writing me emails, like I'm using this and my teenager actually talking to me. And so I think we know that it works. And, you know, it's very collaborative problem solving, very raw screen, but it's never really been applied to social. The idea that you, you have to know what's going on for them, you know, Mm -hmm. not just to say, go into the cafeteria, start joining with people, sit there, make chit chat. This is what you need to do. They don't do it then because there's something going on for them that they would if they could, right? They would, they would go sit. Right, right. Oh, just you saying that gives me anxiety. <laughs> you know, thinking of being in the cafeteria and like, oh, there's no I way. Never go back. <laughs> well, yeah. the advice I we we've done some research on on specifically on cafeteria anxiety for another project. And that's what so the advice is always so dumb. I mean, just what you just said, Caroline. It's like, you know, you can really overcome all of your cafeteria anxiety if you walk into the cafeteria with confidence. <laughs> well, I'm done already. Like I don't, I can, what, why is that step one, dummy? That's right. not, that's the problem. All of the problem right there. It's all of the problem. I can't walk in. And this actually, we got the question. Oh yeah, we got the question from a teacher who didn't, who was experiencing anxiety walking into the teacher's lounge and finding a place to eat. 
in a middle school. Like, this is not just kids. No. It's all of us. It's all of us. And a lot of my millennial, you know, sort of young adult clients, it's not a cafeteria, but it's the Starbucks near work. It's meeting with the mean boss who you know has, you know, has it out for you. It's, or it's just, um, you know, for some people who are more introverted, the idea of making small talk, it feels like climbing a mountain or they don't really know what to say. So they sit in silence and then people think you're creepy. Like it's, it's a whole, it's not simple. You know, I, I have kind of, it's a question and um, I, I don't know if it's an observation or an opportunity for you to muse. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, as an adult, it gets harder to utilize these social skills to build deep relationships with other adults because of all of the complexities that go on with, you know, adulting and life and you don't have time and you've got kids and you've got all these things. It's hard to develop. Like you have, I would that there was recess for grownups, like where you could actually sit down on the railroad ties and eat a sandwich together and have a friendship, right? That, That doesn't exist. And so I get that it's harder for adults. I wonder if, you know, Getting, helping kids, like, what is your observation as you help kids and parents help their kids to cement these skills when they're pre-adolescence and adolescence? Uh, you know, how well do they make that transition into young adulthood, right? I mean, you've been doing this long enough. Have you seen kids oh, yeah. start to make that transition to college, especially when they're complete fish out of water? Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is, you know, I had to get testimonials for the book. So I've been in touch with a lot of my clients who are now way too old. I'm not even going to say how old they are because it ages me. Yeah, you don't. We're just, this is a safe space, Caroline. We get it. You even had them writing to me, you know, my mom told me you want to know what's going on with me. And they write me on LinkedIn. And what I found is they absolutely do transition. You know, one of my clients wrote me this and I was literally like in tears. She said, I'm still an introvert, but I am the best version of myself. I join enough to have friends. She's doing study abroad right now. This is a kid who wouldn't go to lunch, wouldn't participate, wouldn't talk to anyone, um, really believed vehemently that there was no need, there was no hope. And I think what happens is people have a shifted mindset. So they not only have like, new ways of doing things, but they know now, how do you navigate the social world? And I'm not saying it's not still work for them, right? Because for some people, this is hard. But I think that what happens is either that or they get a new outlook on life and they're like, wow, it's really nice to have all these people. So I do think we all struggle with this. And, you know, we're like, I'm turning down book club because I'm going to New York this week. And I'm like, God, I'm so antisocial. I'm not going to book club. You know, we all struggle with that. But I think these, these people are also people who wanted this desperately. You know, and those, I can hear parents in my head saying, my kid doesn't. But remember, a lot of these kids didn't. They didn't want it because they were so fearful that they couldn't get it. And then eventually they sort of changed to say, okay, I do want this. And it took sometimes years. Which is why it's so important that you're addressing the stories that we tell, right? I mean, that's that's why you do that before you jump into the the solutions or the strategies. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and my definition of social skills is different to Nikki. I say that it's anything that holds you back from having adaptive behavior and from, you know, being able to fit into a group. So it applies to adults and you, you have, everybody has a group, even if you're in our day, it was goth, you know, blue hair. People who were goth, <laughs> right? so goth and blue hair. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, I wore a lot of black. So I did too. <laughs> you don't have a group that says something, right? That right. says there needs to be an adaptivity. And also, they did surveys and studies of those, and they asked them about social skills. And what they admitted was that they don't need people to be perfect. They need them to be willing to adapt. So that's mm. why I really feel like it's anything that keeps you from having those adaptive behavior. It's not just like chit chat and manners and stuff. It's like if you believe that when you're hangry, you can be rude to everyone, people have feelings about that. So what's the next part of the book then? So they learn how to how to coach and then they fill out a, an executive function questionnaire about their child or teen or young adult. And then we go into, okay, now we've established that, you know, this person doesn't read the room and we sort of rank those kind of behaviors. And then I have literally 150 social skills lessons with directions written for parents. So they're, mm. they are straight to the point. They are not unintelligible. Um, and they are written so that you can find a time and sit down with your kid and work on these behaviors. There's also like three chapters on how to get your kid to sit down because I can hear the moms out there saying my kid will not sit down. And that's why I say part of this is there are people and we know this who will never do a single lesson. They will use Mm -hmm. this book to get their kids talk about these hard things. And that's okay because in some cases, people know what to do. They just don't do what they know, you know, as Russell Barkley says. Yes. Um, so that the social skills lessons are a huge piece and the troubleshooting or sort of managing resistance. How do you, you know, a shrug can be buy-in, you know, would you be willing to work on this? And you don't get like a, yeah, mom, I'm going to do this with you. You get like a shrug. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that may be all you get. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, and then sort of how do you, um, how do you sort of move through these change processes is another big part of the book. How do you know your kid is changing? How do you know what that change process looks like? I have this tool called How Will You Know? And it's like signs of progress. And it's things kids say at every point in change. So, you know, if a kid says to you, if we're working on them thinking about others and being more considerate and stepping into people's shoes, and they say, Nikki likes to ride a red bike. So when she comes over, I'm going to let her ride my red bike. That's a sign that things are changing. She's probably not going to come to you and say, I've had an epiphany. I need to think about other people more. You know, like you're, you're going to hear it in a different way. Well, and you're helping then the parents listen for that which they may not have been listening for that before. And yeah. I love these kids for that reason. Like, you know, kids will mm-hmm. say to me, I interrupt and I don't let anyone talk. And I'm like, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's how they show change. It's like, they've had this realization. They don't package it up for us and say, you know, I've had this realization and I need to change. They say little stuff. 
And we have to pay attention to that. Well, my question that gets to medication, because what you just described is, um, is, is the experience that we had with my older daughter when she, you know, we had gave her the ADHD assessment and we went through a, a, a significant discernment process to address whether or not we were going to try medication. And, you know, her experience was she has been quite appreciative of it, right? Because what she says is occasionally I interrupt and I say things that are in my head immediately, that impulsivity kicks in. And uh, I don't I don't like that in high school. I don't like that about myself that I can't stop that. But the medication, when I take the medication in the morning, I feel like what that introduces is a small impediment to that signal from my brain to my mouth. It just, it gives me enough time to think, wait a minute, I need to stop and consider, is this the right thing to say in this context right now with this audience? So my question for you is, um, you know, not necessarily am I asking you to give me an out for medication as a parent, because the medication has been hugely helpful and impactful. But is that the kind of thing that you find in your experience that these coaching skills are able to uh, address appropriately for kids? Yeah, because I I totally relate to your your daughter's experience having, you know, been 25, 26 when I finally kind of discovered all this and started taking medication. And, you know, as a coach, I don't come down on medication or not. But what I what I do know is that the skill isn't in the pill. And so even if a kid is helped tremendously, the coaching is going to give them the strategies because that medication is going to wear off eventually too. Mm-hmm. And as adults, we all know that one of the stressors or struggles we have is, you know, my day is 15 hours. It's not a... Yeah. So I'm having to cope and manage and, you know, also just, you know, there are different stressors and environmental factors that we know bring out these symptoms. So yeah, I think that the coaching, what the coaching does is makes people more aware, you know, it holds up a mirror and, and not in a bad way, in a good way. One of the questions I get a lot is, you know, do you need medication to do this book? No. I mean, I have clients who run the gamut. Um, That's a totally personal choice. But what I would say is that, Either way, what you need is to become more aware. And, you know, the other thing your daughter's story is reflecting is she's more aware. And that's really the beautiful thing. Because if you know that, you know, when I'm tired, all this stuff comes out, you can be on guard for it versus, you know, before you have sort of that realization. I don't know. I just know my mother used to say, think before you think, speak, think before you speak, Caroline. And I was always like, what the heck does she need? Like, yeah, right. right. That's again, I don't know what that is. Enter the room with confidence, right? I can't do, I don't know that language. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because I work with a lot of college students and, uh, I, I can see where this book would be incredibly helpful for the high school student who is going into college as well, especially with the parents, right? Because when once you jump from high school to college, it's it's a it's a very difficult transition. Most universities are not ADHD friendly. Yeah. And if they don't have these skills already, they 
it's really difficult, right? It's really, really hard. So what I love about what you're saying is that, you know, with Pete's daughter, who is in high school, upperclassmen, she's going to be looking at, you know, what's going to happen after high school. If we have the right coaching and asking her these questions and asking her to to be aware of these things, it just gives her that much more uh, percentage to succeed when she's in the next chapter of her life, whatever that may be. That's huge. I mean, you you can't, it's so valuable to set yeah. them up that way. Yeah. I mean, well, and she's she's a little bit in the catbird seat too because of what I do for a living. Right. <laughs> we yeah. have these yeah. kinds of conversations all the time. My daughter so. got mad at me at a dinner party once because a little boy came up and he was having a struggle and I asked him an open question and she immediately like flew to the counter and she was like, don't you coach him, don't you coach him. <laughs> and the little boy was like, it's a good question. I, I'd like to answer it, right? Like the little kid yeah. was yeah. like, fine. And my yeah. daughter's like, you know, glaring at me. So yeah, yeah. No, they are on the cat seat. I think, you know, I think Nikki, I see a lot of, um, that transition as a big struggle too, because a lot of the kids I work with, they have their couple friends from high school, from preschool, the people they've known forever that accept them how they are, or maybe mm-hmm. even act as a body double to say, Hey, you're blurting too much. And then they go to college. And if they don't have those social skills, we're asking them to make new friends, which is a much harder thing for a lot of people. Yes. And so one, reason I let them expand the age wasn't, you know, because I wanted to sell more books. It was because as I go around the world, I know parents of college students and young adults are going to buy this book. I had Mm -hmm. editors willing to publish this book because they had a 30-year-old and they wanted to get a copy. And they thought that by publishing it, they would get the copy the fastest. I'm not lying. (laughs) I think um, I think that there's like that element. And I think also a lot of times, if you're socially very adaptive, I mean, I see this with parents a lot, and you have that college student you're working with, Nikki, they are baffling to you, right? Mm-hmm. I call them baffling behaviors. You say you want friends, but you don't go to anything. Mm-hmm. You say you want to fit in, but you don't do anything to fit in. Um, I had someone today saying to me that her son wears the same clothes, like, he wears different clean clothes with like the same shirt and pants. And he doesn't seem to understand that like kids are making fun of you because they don't know it's different and clean. And you can't wear like a little sticky that says this is clean, you know? Right. It's all that stuff that the parent can not understand. And then also they're not having a great conversation because they're so frustrated. Well, and something else that just dawned on me is that, again, going to, to what I know, which is the college student. You've got somebody who's new to this brand new environment and they may not be highly engaged in the academics that they're doing because it's all of the the core stuff, right? So it's all kind of the boring stuff. They haven't gotten to their their major yet. But then if they're having problems making friends, then really the the engaging part of college that is so fun, the social piece is also missing. Yep. And again, that's just kind of adding fuel to the fire of do you continue or not you know um so yeah i really i really appreciate you bringing this out and also part of social skills is self-advocacy is going into yeah that professor you know one of the stories i always tell when i speak is that i had a college girl i was working with who is just so motivated but doesn't have great social skills 
she has a great brain, but she doesn't have great social skills. And she got sick and she missed an exam. And she wrote the professor an email. He said, no problem, like sick as in like in the ER. But then because she doesn't take perspective and walk in other people's shoes and she was anxious, she did not make contact with that professor for 14 days after getting, you know, well. So now the professor, she goes to the professor and the professor's like, you can't take this exam anymore. You didn't make contact with me. And she was like baffled and realized her mistake and whatever. That's all social, right? The ability to show up at that person's office, say, thank you so much, or to write them an email or to even step into their shoes and say, this professor is known as a meanie. He's given me this rare opportunity to not take this with 103 fever. I better be writing him the next day to schedule this, even if it's a, even if he said to her, if you would even just schedule with me. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the other piece we face with our kids. You know, there's some stat I heard from Chad that, you know, an overwhelming amount of kids who even had support in high school don't take it in college. Right. Well, part of that is they won't go into the learning center. They, yeah. And there's fear. There's fear of embarrassment. And I had one um, gentleman tell me that he felt guilty because he felt like it gave him an advantage. And so, you know, as a coach where I went with that, I'm like, no, 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 you don't feel guilty. <laughs> you know? And had all kinds of, you know, metaphors and analogies and everything for him to understand. But yes, it's it's true. I mean, it, it's... Uh, uh, it's definitely a difficult time. I want to ask you something, though, Caroline, on a personal level. Sure. Because many of our listeners and many of our Patreon members are writers. They And they're writers with ADHD. So I would love for you to take a, a few moments to talk to them, give them maybe any tips or suggestions or ideas that you can offer uh, about your process. I know you've mentioned 15 years. I mean, has this been 15 years in the making? How did it, how did it, un, un, what am I trying to say, Pete? Not Unfold. Un, unfold. Thank you. I kept wanting to say like undevelop or something, but yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. I, I talk about this with kids a lot because I want them to understand like you have to build the road, right? It takes time. So I had the idea 15 years ago. I went for my master's degree and finished in 2012 because I knew I had to have some kind of authority behind this. My master's was self-designed in executive functions about social skills. I literally went to like every prominent university in Boston. I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and some said no. Art, don't you wish you'd said yes now? Um, yes. And, <laughs> and Leslie University said yes. So I, um, that's part of that 15-year journey. And I had two children. You know, that was part of it. Um, neither of whom are neurotypical, by the way. And so I, um, that was part of it. But I would say this. I am fully, I fully disclose that I have a collaborator, I have a ghostwriter, and I write everything and then she buffs it and she brings it to the next level. Um, so I never want to pretend that. I know I was at an ADD conference and someone snarky said, you know, you shouldn't tell anyone that. And I was like, why? People need to know that's an accommodation. I'm dyslexic. No one wants me to spell. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. And either way, having been through this process, most people who have prescriptive books or books like this have someone behind them. You know, I interviewed these people and I was like, 
oh, I didn't know so-and-so had someone writing their books. Um, so most parenting books that are out there, someone else is helping because it's, it's a whole higher level of writing that you need. But I would also say um, a few tricks because I do have to write everything first because um, I'm the expert. I run on the treadmill. I listen to Rocky, the one with the Russian. So that's four, I think. And then I get myself really pumped up <laughs> and then I go and I write. I like have all these little rituals that I do in order to kind of raise my dopamine levels because I get bored. Like some of this is just so boring. And also I have um, a couple of really close friends who really, I mentioned at the end of the book, like I wrote like two paragraphs about them because I have a friend who I literally call her up She's an expert. I ask her questions to get me my juices flowing. And then I hang up on her. I don't even have a conversation like, how you doing? How are the kids? I'm like, okay, bye. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I, I was telling my editor this and she was like crying, laughing. But, you know, it's really because to me, like when I talk about stuff, it really helps me get juiced up. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that I do is honestly, because I knew the day would come when I would be promoting, I've done a ton of podcasts and other things on this topic. And every time I have one, like I don't have anything to write now, but if I did, I'm pretty, pretty jazzed up. Um, and then the final thing is I am a schedule person. So like I stick to a pretty strict schedule. But by that, I also mean I build in buffers. So for lack of focus, lack of motivation, perfectionism, um, complete exhaustion where like the ideas just don't come. Um, and, and I also have a coach because good coaches get coached. And many things this poor woman has had to talk me through where I'm like, okay, <laughs> here's the problem. Um, right. And that's how it, it unfolds. And I'm, it's like interest, right? I'm interested in this. Well, congratulations. Yeah, definitely. 15 years of, of hard work, research, something you're passionate about, and now it's going to come into a book and reach and touch so many people who need this. And I and it and it's certainly a niche that is not covered. Those social skills are so important and people you know need that information. And thank you so much for sharing this with us and giving us a preview. Well, and now here's the downside, though, right? You can't yeah. you can't get it yet. So let's let's talk just briefly about how you'd like people to to get it, to stay informed. What can we do to help uh, uh, help folks get connected with it? Sure. Um, so there's a few things you can go to carolinemaguireauthor.com. So M A G U I R E, and um, there's uh, actually a book promotion. If you click on book. Anybody um, can redeem an offer to get uh, the book to pre-order the book, and by pre-ordering the book, you get a free webinar. I mean, we're cool. doing a lot of stuff like that. Um, and then the other thing is that um, if you go on the website, there's tons of information, and soon there's going to be actually like, you know, you put in that you bought the book, and you're going to be able to have like live chats where you ask questions of me and we're going to start that way before the book is out. The book comes out September 24th, but um, you know, this way parents can start, you know, hearing what's going to happen and even just using some of these questions as we go through the summer and, you know, kids are not outside playing because they don't have anyone to play with. 
Um, Mm -hmm. so that's a big thing. And I would also say that, um, you know, if you, if you go to my, um, Facebook page, coach Caroline McGuire, um, there's just updates and different information and stuff like that. Um, but it, and I'm on Amazon. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I put in my Kindle pre-order already. So yeah. Um, and so that's, that's the best way. And the pre-orders really matter. I appreciate them. Um, because this, what happens is then like the wall street journal then says, Oh, we better review this book because it's getting a ton of attention. And that's already started to happen. And so thank you to everyone who's made that happen because it's a, it's a big world. So we have to show up so that they notice. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, this I can't is wait great. To read it. <laughs> I know this is great, Carolyn. Thank you so much for for That's hanging it. out with us, for coming back to the show, and uh, and can't wait to hear how it goes. We will update the post. Check the links in the show notes. Uh, so swipe up in your podcast player, or go to the website, takecontroladhd.com, and go into the podcast section. You'll find this post. If you're listening to it after September 24th, just go get the go get the book. You can do that <laughs> right great. now. Look at, look at, I'm talking to you in the future. If not, uh, <laughs> check the links and pre-order. Uh, thank you, everybody. Oh, we do have a question, though. Uh, one of the things that I noticed on Amazon is that you have a CD version of the book. And I was puzzled by that because I don't have a CD player. And we actually have a question from a listener. Will you do an Audible book? We have no way to listen to CDs. So yes. what's so, up with that? So um, I'm actually already scheduled to do the audio book. Good. It will be an Audible book. And then also, I think they're offering it as a CD. I have no idea why. I don't have okay, to good. Clear my That's what I'm they do. Relieved to hear that you are as puzzled by that as I, am, I was, and, and our also listeners never <laughs> even mentioned that to me. They always talked about it as Audible and and that kind okay. of thing. But there is an audio version, and I know I read many ADHD books by listening to them on audio. Yeah. I kind of dread it's a five day process in the yeah. studio. So dreading Bring lots it, of water. Yep. I was going to say, you might want to uh, get some walks outside. I'm sure you can't take the treadmill into the studio, but you'll definitely need to build up that dopamine somehow. I, I will. It'll be, it'll be an adventure, Nikki. That's right. Well, good luck to you and good luck on the launch and everything. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting. I really appreciate you having me on. You have a great audience and I, I love doing this. I, I really should have something to write right now because I'm all pumped up. There you go. <laughs> hit the keyboard. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. We sure appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Caroline McGuire and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.